You're listening to episode 74 of The Bastards of Kingsgrave. As we return to our uh, coverage of uh, anime conventions, I'm going to be talking about uh, Anime North 2017 with Ashley today. Welcome back, Ashley. It's good to have Hi. you <laughs> back on here. This is a couple of months, more than a couple of months after Anime North. Uh, it was an end of May, and now we're at end of August. Uh, but I, I wanted to talk about it, even if it's just a short episode. Just I like to kind of like, you know, talk about what's still somewhat fresh in the memory. <laughs> and then uh, what I'll do for this episode is I've, I've done panels both there and at other conventions. And I might take a couple of the panels uh, that I've recorded the audio from and then just put it at the end of this episode. If people want to listen uh, to it because I've done like One Punch Man panels and other panels that uh, I think we even recorded our panel. Uh, let's, let's talk about oh. panels, actually. What panels did we do together? I know we did... Uh, we just did the Game of Thrones one together. That's right, yeah. And I thought that was what turned out pretty well. We had a good turnout for that one and uh, a good group. Oh, yeah, we had uh, Mary, who was a podcast listener, joined us for that uh, panel. And uh, I enjoyed it. What panels do you, did you do other than uh, Game of Thrones? Um, I did uh, Mystic Messenger, Killing Stalking, and Yuri on Ice, I think. Yuri yeah. Ernest must have been really popular then. Eh? Oh god, they had it. They didn't even have it in the biggest room, and it was filled up. People camped, uh, seat camped the room from the previous panels, so there was a huge lineup, and nobody in the lineup even got in. Jeez. People were seat camping to get which, into it. Which hotel were you? Uh, was it run at? Um, Holiday Inn. Oh, it See, was Holiday Inn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they stuck it in the uh, Yaoi section, even though I feel like it probably shouldn't have been. Like, I feel like the show isn't, like, specifically a yaoi show. It's it's a sports anime. Hmm. So, like, the rooms the rooms at the Yaoi North Hotel, because they keep all that stuff in a single hotel, um, are smaller. And it really needed a full ball-sized room because it's, like, the biggest anime of the season. Yeah, and it, why, so. why, it's not that every yaoi, even if, it, if you categorize it, or that has to go with that, at, at that Yaoi North, right? It could still be in the main... Uh, yeah, hotel for the big big events. So that, that was a mistake, I guess. <laughs> yes, I feel that was a mistake. Yeah. Um, let me think what I did. So yeah, I did uh, Game of Thrones. I did One Punch Man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I did a one on podcasting actually with uh, some pretty nice guys who do their own podcasts, and that was good. Like kind of contrasting what we do because we've been podcasting for what uh, <laughs> almost nine ten years. years. Yeah, nine years yeah. now, almost ten. Jeez. And uh, they're kind of contrasting what we do versus what they do. And it was pretty good. If you need a panel next year, you should just join me for the podcasting one. If you're short yeah, on it's panels. Yeah, um, I don't do a lot of the technical stuff anymore, so I don't know how much I would have to... But it wasn't just technical, though. It was, it. it was like, how do you uh, handle talking with like more than four people? Or how do you, you know... Uh, plan for your episodes? or, or like what? It, it wasn't just technical. It was everything about a podcast. It was really interesting. Uh, the discussion we had and uh, whether you like know each other in real life <laughs> or not. <laughs> Most people who start podcasts now actually are real life friends, like in person friends, and then they record in the same room. We're still rare that we <laughs> are podcasting cl- across continents. Yeah, uh, I've noticed that. Yeah. The, 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 um, back when podcasting started, this was how it was mostly done, but nowadays it seems like well, most people do it studio wise. Hmm. Like their basement studio in their own room, and then with their with their friend, which is, which gives them a good chemistry from the start because they have that they know each other already. Uh, 
But it is pretty cool. Like, can you think about like our podcast? We've all got to know each other. We've all met each other except you and Mimi. That's the last one that has to, yeah. be, <laughs> has to be met. And you and Mimi, probably you're just going to have to just next time you go to, not this Dragon Con, maybe the next one, stop by Mimi's on the way back or <laughs> get, get a meeting somehow like that. Um, or maybe she'll come to your wedding. You never know. That, that, is, that is a possibility. <laughs> Her kid will be old enough to, to travel at that point. Or, or she'll just leave him behind with a dad <laughs> and just come herself. Um Okay, so that was podcasting. Uh, what else did I do? So I did podcasting, One Punch Man, Game of Thrones. Oh, I did haiku. Actually, was in a haiku panel. Yeah, how uh, was that? Because that seems like a typically uh, yaoi panel. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a younger audience, and uh, there was I wasn't like there was. A, I think the people on the panel were more super fans than I was, but I but I had the paneling experience that helped balance that out. Mm-hmm. so it was pretty good we had a good time I, like i knew how to i got particularly this this convention and, and since then i've been really good at getting the crowd involved in the right way you know especially right, at the start right. when you get them pumped you're like who who like get them all like you know yelling and then you're like oh i like you know getting them involved yet then also talking with the panel right you don't want to just be getting the audience yelling yeah stuff. actually that's the one thing i felt like this is the first year i've really felt comfortable as a panelist and that i've finally kind of come into my own as one that i would be comfortable leading a panel myself. I don't know. It just it, everything just kind of worked out better this year. Like knowing, you know, to keep things moving, asking the audience questions when there's a silence. You know, just it was good year. Yeah. Do you know what I miss at Anime North, which I have at a lot of other conventions, is it? It's not easy to have a PowerPoint there. Like you have to have it prepared very early. There's limited rooms that have it. And mm-hmm. almost every other convention I go to, I just make a PowerPoint for whatever panel I have, and it's so much easier to have like your notes in front of you. Really, it's that easy just to hook it up. Yeah, you just like most places have like a room. Like you just you just bring a laptop, plug it in, and boom, you have it on a projector or on a screen. Like most conventions are like that. It's Anime North, for some reason, it wasn't. Although this year, remember the panels were in that the room over yeah, by the convention. Yeah, but hall. I've 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 experienced a lot of Anime North. Um, powerpoints that just go wrong so mm. i think they just have a lot of rules because so often there's technical problems like i've experienced yeah. so many technical problems that i think they just try to fail safe it yeah well most of the time they ask you to send if you want to do a powerpoint you have to send it in like literally a month after panels open up you have to get it in like, no i don't have time to do that most people are doing their panels like a week before in terms of powerpoint prep so I am going to look into that, though, because I have, like, for One Punch Man, for example, I have a standard PowerPoint prepared now that can mm. be adapted to any convention that I go to that has, you know, a bunch of the heroes, some of, like, the amusing uh, scenes from the manga or shipping photos or whatever it's created. And you saw the, uh, well, when we did our um, Game of Thrones one at Comic-Con the year before, I had a yeah. PowerPoint. I've improved that even more now, so I have a standard Game of Thrones PowerPoint. Uh, I did, oh yeah, Avatar Last Airbender 2, I did that as well, that was good, and uh, then I had one other, I had Attack on Titan, <laughs> so <laughs> I had my usual long list of panels, and again, Attack on Titan was good. Have you been keeping up at to date with Attack on Titan, or are you behind now? Um, I'm more, no, not reading it. Hmm. It's it's progressing, I think it's going to yeah. be done in the next year or two, maximum. Like it's really... well, um, I'm watching the season, so maybe when oh, I'm yeah. finished the season, I'll go back to reading the manga. Yeah, yeah, really big reveals lately. Good progress, good work. I, I've done the opposite. I'm, I'm starting to watch the season now. No, yeah, like, everything. well, when I stopped reading, it was well, well ahead of where the season's going to ah. stop. 
Like I, I am pretty far in, but I'm, you know, at least a year behind. Hmm. So that's it for the panels. And then uh, we were in the, uh, was it Delta yet or is it still Plaza? I think it was. Uh, I think it was still being called the Plaza. Yeah. At that still the Plaza. We had a good room in there. Me, you, and Keith. And um, unfortunately, we haven't got it again for next year because there was this whole, like, leak. Fiasco. Yeah, people people <laughs> were able to book it. BS. And so for once, we don't have the Plaza. Um, I don't know what happened to, to Sheridan, if that's going to... I guess that one hasn't, hasn't opened yet. Uh, Crown may be open or not. I'm not sure. I think it's half booked, the Crown, but it'll be open on September 1st. So I'm going to go for it. Which which one do you do you think Radisson Crown or Charlton should I go for number 1? Radisson. Sorry? By far. Yeah, it's close. Oh, Radisson, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it, that yeah, I'm going to go for that one. Close well, to. I've never gone to the Crown. It's just like there's that hill there. I don't mm -hmm. think it's easy for cosplay. It's not ideal. Yeah. Radisson is actually ideal if you think about it. It's right by there and it's right by the food too. And uh Oh, you know, uh, did you come with us for sushi or not? I don't think you did, right? No, I was... Yeah. yeah. We actually got to try out sushi. For, like, there was a new sushi restaurant there, and it was pretty good, all you can eat. Uh, but then they... Uh, what was really bullshit about it, though, was they, they charged us dinner for the lunch rate, and they didn't tell us that. So you have to be aware of that. I mean, I guess it makes sense, because like, they, they should be jacking up their prices for a convention. We're like, why aren't they jacking up their prices? Well, they are. They just don't tell you until the end. <laughs> so that was kind of annoying so well, we might as well have gone for dinner then if we're going yeah. to pay lunch rate and not get dinner dinner what's the point of that but you, you actually if you go the uh thursday uh or maybe even the friday but i know if you go the thursday it'll still be the thursday rate because it, it's not like started right maybe even the friday they might give you that rate saturday no saturday they give you the later rate. i think i might have had it on, on friday actually and i got the lunch rate so if we go next year let's go for friday <laughs> Lunch before <laughs> convention is open, because it was pretty good. It was a good selection, and uh, so we, yeah, I saw Mary a few times for those, for those different panels, and for the sushi. Uh, who else did I see? I think I guess it was Mary's friends, and then there's uh, this other guy who I do the, the avatar panel with. Uh, it was pretty cool, and his friends were there as well. Um, what about cosplays? What did you do for cosplay this year? Um, I did the Yuri on Ice was the big one. Hmm. Um. What else was there? <laughs> that was the really main one. Oh, I did uh, Undertale. I was Undyne. Hmm. Um, then on Sunday... Oh, I did uh, Blue Exorcist. It's a, That was a repeat from an old costume. Hmm. I missed cosplaying with you guys. I want to do that again with you guys next year for cosplay. Because <laughs> yeah. doing, doing it solo is not as fun as doing a group one. Well, next year the new season is going to be out, so I think it'll be more popular again. That's right, yeah. All right, so we did cosplay. Did you do host any photo shoots? Yes, um, I really enjoyed photo shoots this uh, this year. It was the first year that I was in charge of a large photo shoot. It was Yuri on Ice, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I actually had a lot of fun doing it. It was uh, well, it was very large. <laughs> I've never hosted a, a shoot that large before, so. Um, yeah, it was fun. And uh, oh, there was another. Oh, I, I kind of ended up taking over the Blue Exorcist photo shoot. Hmm. I think the person running it had didn't really know what they were doing, so I uh, did that as well. And no, I 
Isn't there? Oh, I was supposed to help you with the One Punch Man, but they double booked me, and my my Mystic Messenger panel was at the same time. Hmm. So yeah, it was really just the the Yuri and Ice one, which was a lot of fun. I lost my voice because uh, you have to yell a lot because there's so many people. I think I might invest in a megaphone next year. It's a good idea. If I do any large, yeah, if I want to continue doing large photo shoots, I think it's a smart idea. Yeah, that's smart. One Punch Man wasn't that big anyway. I was able to to handle it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. You know what's funny is uh, basically a month before uh, the convention, I actually stayed in the Plaza Hotel. I was going through Toronto and, and uh, I got delayed and then I had to go to a hotel. So I went there. And then the power was out too initially. And then I got it. And then I was that's when I was able to secure the better room too because it wasn't confirmed that we were going to have two beds. Yeah. One, one be a be like a couch bed and I was like no give me two beds (laughs) (laughs) so no plaza I don't know we'll see if if I get shot out of this lottery and I don't get Radisson or anything good I don't know I'm I'm half tempted I might just not come I'll be pissed Uh, that's uh, actually what's going on with me with ColossalCon next year Uh, we we didn't get any of the everyone in our group tried to get a room none of us got a room um, so we're just like, you know what, maybe we won't go because like for them, the offsite hotels, you need a shuttle. You can't just walk. So it's like, well, why even bother at that point? Hmm. Yeah. Because, and- um, we, we, we've in the past, like we do have a large group that goes to Colossal Con. So in the past, we've maybe only gotten one room and then one offsite room and it still worked out because then you could still use the one onsite room to change and stuff. But with nobody getting an onsite room in our group it's like no yeah it just, it just if you don't get a hotel naturally because it's just lots of people that's one thing i mean comic-con's like that but like if you if you miss it because it just bullshit leaks that's not fair it just mm-hmm. pisses you off it's like really guys you should handle this better yeah that was the hotel like yeah but it was, it was someone... almost obvious though because like the hotel itself when it posted when we were there it was still posting like july 7th or something was going to be our opening date. No one bothered to check to tell them not to start opening on July 7th. Like that the system was still, it should have just, the system should have been locked date wise. And it was like, it was, it was, what happened it was, it was unlocked, but there wasn't advertising like how to get in. And then somebody advertised how to get in, but they easily could have, if they, if they had pushed it earlier, it was paid. It's, I blame the convention. Yes. The hotel caused it, but I think the, the convention could have had more control over it or preempted it. So, and then, and then, then, so the half of them were left over, and then we were there trying to book the damn thing. And then it was just like, it, it was I, a I, Dragon Con attempt. That, yeah. That's what Dragon Con's like. Yeah. It didn't even show up. It's not even it showed up. You click and it didn't work. <laughs> the second, like, I clicked that, it's like nothing available. It's like what? I don't know. Radisson could be good. This could be a good year. Cause I, but for once, I'm actually dating someone who is uh, open to cosplay. <laughs> so if we're still together at that point. I could come as a couple and then have a couple cosplay, which would be awesome. <laughs> ah, it begins. The four, the four of us could do one punch. She actually uh, did the Tatsunaki cosplay. Oh. So. Oh yeah, we'd have a good group then. Yeah, we could have, you could be Fubuki maybe or Sonic again or something, and we, we'd be set. So Anime North, don't ruin it for me. Give me this Radisson. <laughs> Give me Radisson two beds. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that was pretty much it. If I think about it. otherwise, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good convention. I had a good time, and it's kind of Anime North is not the first. It's funny that I have a convention season, but it's not the first uh, one in my convention season, but it's the first big anime one. 
like my convention mm-hmm. season is is well no mainly yeah, it basically starts with ice and fire con really ice and fire con and then anime north and then comic con um although i don't i think i'm taking a break from comic con too i think i've <laughs> had enough it's so expensive and i've pretty much seen everything to be seen there but i think anime north is something i can get to without i can just use air miles it's, it's cost effective the hotel's not too bad and then the pat the pan, the badge is free if you're doing panels, so it's a cost-effective weekend, and I like going to it. And it's fun to see you there, so let's hope we get it. Yeah. And that's about it. So what I'm gonna do after this episode is, I guess, potentially add a couple of panels uh, from from One Punch Man or other panels I've done that I've recorded uh, at okay. conventions, so to fill it out. But I, it was just fun. I wanted to just talk about it before it was too far away that we completely forgot it and it, people people want to hear about our convention time so <laughs> okay i'll take your word for it <laughs> they do there's people we still we still have the, okay. the loyal vestas of king's grave listeners have you been watching or uh, any anime lately or reading anything of note um of the new season i yeah. have keeping up with hero my hero academia and attack on titan is there an, a season two of my hero academia or is it it was a 24 episode, so oh, it's I still going. I heard it's good. I should, I guess, I should get it right out. Yeah, if you like One Punch Man, you'll like it. I mean, yeah. well, it's not as funny as One Punch Man, no. but it's it's a good show. It's still a good show. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I've heard. One Punch Man is just I'm just becoming more and more of a fan over time. I've, <laughs> I've bought all the manga now, and it's really good. And I've learned a lot about the artist and his background and like his views, and it's my favorite. Have you uh, watched Mob Psycho? I have actually. I didn't. Uh, I didn't like it as much. I mean, obviously, uh, I don't think I would have liked it as much in any case. But yeah, yeah it was still an, an, an entertaining watch. I heard the manga is even better. So, or maybe just because it's further along. Um, it was. It was weird. I mean, I, I kind of like the weird artwork, and it's kind of like out out there. Somebody pointed out really interesting that the difference between the two characters, because obviously he's not gonna he's gonna have lots of differences, right? Saitama's will is very strong. He's very strong-willed and strong, strong self-determined. And Mob is the opposite, right? Right, he, right. He lacks confidence in himself. So that's 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 the kind of difference that's played there. And what's really interesting is uh, that uh, Saitama has Mob Psycho manga. <laughs> oh, I never noticed that. Yeah, it, I, I've noticed it in reading the manga now, and it was uh, he he. So Mob Psycho is a manga in Saitama's world, and it's vice versa the same thing, I believe. Uh, because there's a, the One Punch Man is an anime. I'm guessing the manga is also there in the Mob Psycho world. Because there's there's like this one bad guy who's like doing all this stuff apparently. And then there's like I know this is real. This is like either like an extra or a short or something where this this big bad guy is supposed to have like they're ha- supposed to have like a big meeting. They're like it's yeah, so to have this meeting to take over the world or something. And then then his assistant is like, Sir, One Punch Man season one came out. And he's like, Put all my plans on hold for two weeks. I need to <laughs> watch this. <laughs> So that's like a reference. He's gonna go watch Punch Man. <laughs> so I like that kind of crossover between them. And do uh, you know that that the one, the guy who came up with both stories, the webcomic. I mean, that's not his name. He he hasn't released his name. One, it's no. secret. Yeah, <laughs> he grew up in the district Saitama. So that's that's where the name comes from. And uh, I was watching this show that made a really good point about. You, you remember the scene of One Punch Man where. Remember he blew up the meteor and then like everyone's kind of like ragging on him and like telling him to stop being a hero. Uh-huh. And uh, 
but he just like the reviewer was talking about like this is where you would think okay maybe he's he's Saitama's gonna like give in and that's gonna be part of the show like he's gonna have a weak will and and have to like overcome that no he just overcomes right away he just like yells at the back and says no I'm gonna be a hero it's my own <laughs> thing I, I do it for my own reasons I don't need your approval and he, he pointed out quite well that, that kind of refers to one as well because when one started his web comic I mean his art sucked it still sucks he's getting a little bit better actually. But uh, it sucked, especially for a medium that is so visually intensive, right? Manga. Right. And then he must have had so many people that are like, why are you doing this? You suck. Don't don't bother to do this. And he's like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm going to do my webcomic. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm passionate about. And he just went at it. And look at him now, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Great God. So <laughs> it's like it's reflected in Saitama's character, I think, there. And uh, there's a lot, there's there's a lot of meaning in One Punch Man. I mean, it's, there's a lot of satire as well, but it's not an entire de- deconstruction. It's it's some parody, some deconstruction, and some other stuff. It's not a full deconstruction of the. I think it still accepts the thing. It's like the overall uh, premise is like you really got to go what what you can do, and you can actually achieve great things if you go at if you go at it. You're not going to just fail. It might be a very difficult road, <laughs> but you and you may pay a big price, but you will eventually get there. If you have the motivation and the goals, so cool. Good talking with you, yep. and See you uh, too. have a good night. Thanks. See you too. Night. Okay. Yeah. We're good to let people in. I'm yeah. Pretty chill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Considering you guys are supposed you to start. Yeah. 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 Time. Yeah. We can. Oh. The audio. Do you want me to do that? Yeah. Sure. Uh, ha ha ha. You just want to test the mics for one last time? Uh, Testing this one, does it work? Yeah, and then we've got to turn that on. You've got to turn it on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hold it. Oh, hold it? Hold it. So it goes green. And we just hold it, hold it and just... There you are. Hello? Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. You I don't have to press it anymore, right? Okay. It's, it's on, no, right? Yeah. It's just on and off. Yeah. Okay. Um, you guys ready for the next panel? Yes, we're ready. Oh, you guys are ready? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay, well, let's This works? Yeah. The audio? Yeah. Yeah, hold it. Uh, <laughs> That's it's not scary. a nece- it's not necessary, but the music makes it funnier. You got a big lineup out there. Yeah, uh. it's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I practice talking about something I know very little about. So most people here don't know that much at all. Sorry. Most people here just seen the movie and they're happy. So. I hope so. Yeah. I hope nobody asks me hard questions. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I mean, I can reference. I might need yeah. you to stumble yeah. and look something up in an article. Well, we could say we'll get to that at the end. Come back to yeah, that. Yeah, or, or you can come yeah. up and chat with me after after yeah. I have a chance to consult the articles today yeah. or whatever. It's okay. Do not know. We're getting started. Yeah. Oh, you want to get the mic? Introduce yourself and I'll introduce myself. I don't know if I'll yeah. use the mic. Oh, you don't have to. It was already on. Let's see if it's on. Yeah. It's good to you. Hi, guys. Oh, you guys are such yeah. a good audience. That was so quick. Who here likes a movie called Your Name? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> if you don't, you're in the wrong place. So. <laughs> we'll start with introductions? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm One Punch Man, and I like Your Name. Yeah, I spent a lot of time watching movies, so it's a hobby. And uh, we have here. I'm a graduate student. I'm in between my master's and my PhD, so I just graduated with my master's in Asian studies, and uh, I'll be going on to do my PhD. 
So we just thought, uh, having seen the movie, everyone's excited. Why not have a panel and look a little bit deeper in some of the meaning behind the movie, the creation, that sort of thing. So this is Jane's baby, but I'm here to help as a hobby. Jane's baby for like the yeah. past month because Ammon was like, I want to do a panel on your name. And he asked all these questions. And I was like, I don't know the answers. So I have answers to his questions. Um, and hopefully there'll be answers to your questions as well. Um, I'm pretty chill, and I think Ammon is too. So like, if you have any questions during the panel, just like pop your hand up. We'll do our best to answer them. Yeah. Okay. So introduction, you want to summarize the story? Oh, okay. okay. So spoilers, but uh, (laughs) I guess I can summarize in the sense that it's a movie you think that it seems like it's very lighthearted and then it has a shocking moment. You're like, no, there's some depth, there's some emotion to this. That's the way I'd summarize it without going too much spoiler details. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure even if you haven't seen the movie, you probably know the plot, which is just uh, Taki, the guy on the your left, um, and Mitsuha, the girl on your right, uh, switch bodies uh, in their dreams. And like, like they switch through sleeping and then end up uh, having to play each other's roles in their, each other's lives. Um, and it's kind of a movie about how they find each other. Yeah. Shall so we go next? Yeah, sure, we can go next. Um, so something that I found out while researching this movie is that um, it comes with a novel. And some of you may or may not have read that already. I think it is translated. Um, and normally the director, um, uh, Makoto Shinkai, writes the novel afterwards. They'll release the movie and then he writes like a light novel um, afterwards. And then he, so they're kind of two separate processes. Uh, This time he tried something different and he actually wrote the novel as he was uh, working on the film, which is really neat because that means that um, he got to explore the characters in different dimensions. um, And he also got to, uh, the actors also got to be reading the novel as well as the script. And so it was a very like kind of collective process. The novel is not just like a repetition of the movie. It's not just like him describing the scenery because he realizes that novels explore different, they're a different medium, right? And so they have to explore the story through different methods. Um, He's really into metaphors and like um, using kind of imagery and uh, like even right off the bat in the first couple of pages, um, you get a different feel for the movie than watching it. Uh, And so I would really recommend reading it. I've started reading it in Japanese, and I'm really, really slow, so I, I'm still on the first chapter. Um, but I think if it, it is translated, uh, so by all means, go with it. Yeah. So, like I've seen the film, but I've never um, had a review of the novel. Mm-hmm. Will that, if I can find it, mm-hmm. will that um, help with the process of uh, interpreting the film? Add anything? I think it would add something for sure. Um, just even having read the first, like the prologue and the first couple of pages of the first chapter, um, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I'm there. There are many novels that kind of go into deep uh, explanations of, of scenery and imagery and stuff like that. But I think he knows that that can't compare to the imagery you see in the movie. And so far, he's shied away from it. You get a lot of that internal. Um, uh, like the mon- monologues within the characters, um, like really the metaphors are like the most beautiful thing. So like that feeling when they're in the movie, when they go through that kind of opening dialogue and they're overlapping, he does that with his text as well. Um, and uh, he has things like um, waking up and not really knowing what the dream was and not really knowing why you're crying. Um, but having that feeling of like a child being embraced to a mother's chest, like 
Like it just kind of gives you a different sensation that you don't quite get in the movie. Um, so I'm really excited to keep reading it. Um, and I would encourage everybody to do the same. I hope the translation is really good. Um, it was a, such a high profile movie that I'm hoping that they were able to get a good translator on board. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, I found out that Radwimps, the uh, band that did the soundtrack for it, was also part of the process. So again, it wasn't just they got the end product movie and were told here, you have to create a soundtrack for this movie, but they actually got to work through it and um, their input and their the kind of storytelling that they, th they do through the music um, helped impact um, Shinkai as well throughout his work. Uh, so there was a lot of things where he's like, yeah, I wasn't sure about that. And then I heard this Rad Whip songs and I was like, yes, this is the way we need to go. Or I wasn't sure about Mitsuha saying this line. Um, like I thought maybe it'd be in her head or whatever. But then the voice actor says, oh, no, we can try it like this. And then she was like, he's like, yes, this is this feels right. So um, I have a background in drama. And so I was really excited to hear about this collective process um, because that's kind of the type of art making that I like. So when we first started talking about this panel, Essentially, and Em and I both kind of came with things that we were interested in about your name, things we were interested in talking about, exploring. And uh, one of the articles that Amin found was about uh, natural disasters as an inspiration. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, if I need this or not. Can you hear me? Or just, I'll turn it on while I'm talking. But one of the inspirations for the uh, movie was the uh, earthquake in 2011 and the tsunami aftermath. The creator actually went and saw what happened there, and that definitely inspired him. The feeling of like, what if I had been here? What would have happened if I was there? I, I might have just missed this. So that's one of the main themes is natural disasters and uh, the effect it can have. Yeah, so I just pulled some images. I mean, do you want this or? Oh, yeah. can you hear me in the back, or would you prefer if I use the mic? Yeah, you're good? Okay. Um, so I just pulled some images. So obviously it wasn't just the earthquake. It was the earthquake and then the resulting tsunami and the devastation that that caused. And then the um, problems that they had with the nuclear power plant. And so you can see here there's a poor child that's being tested for radiation, um, all of which are very scary. And it's a very scary sequence of events. Um, I think everybody who's seen the movie can relate to that feeling of like, you get to that point in that movie where you relate with Taki, where he realizes there was a disaster and he kind of goes, what if I could change it? Um, and I think that that is something that I, everybody can relate to. I mean, we had the wildfires here not too long ago. Um, there's been, uh, we experienced floods here as well. Um, so we, even though we may not, we're not on the ring of fire, we don't have to worry about earthquakes um, like Japan does, uh, but we can relate to that still, that, that same sensation, which is perhaps one of the reasons why it took off uh, over yeah. here. And it's, it's the aftermath of the disaster, like, are my loved ones okay? Are my friends okay? That feeling of trying to contact them. And then after that, the, just the uneasiness about the future. Will this happen again? Mm -hmm. I think the movie catches that quite well. Also that, um, like the scene where Taki goes and he realizes that Itomori, or, yeah, yeah, Itomori has been destroyed um, because the disaster happens and it leaves all this wreck and then you, it's calm and it's kind of eerie. Um, and so he also talked about seeing surfers and fishermen back out on the ocean that <coughs> where the tsunami came from, uh, which is kind of interesting that we just kind of go on as humans and continue on with our daily lives. And nature is an inevitable part of that. Um, something that interested me, well, Amin, I think, yeah. didn't realize this when we first started talking, but uh, there's a lot of Japanese um, like literature works or um, other mediums that reflect on things like natural disasters and earthquakes. Um, what happens uh, when you're an island on the Ring of Fire? You get earthquakes, mudslides, tsunamis, typhoons, 
volcanic eruptions, all sorts of stuff. Like back when um, everything was made of wood, they would have these huge devastating fires that would rip through cities. Uh, so if you're kind of interested in how people are reflecting um, back on natural disasters in Japan, because they are so frequent, um, there's a couple of examples. So these are scenes from, well, does anybody, can anybody tell what movie this is from? Just by, yeah, Wind Rises. Um, so this was the, I believe this was the great, yeah, this is the uh, 1923 Kanto earthquake, um, which had an extremely high death toll. Uh, and so of course that impacted and these are not like single generation disasters, right? They can impact multiple generations. Um, after the Kobe 1995 earthquake, uh, Haruki Murakami wrote After the Quake, which is a series of short stories that are kind of um, loosely inspired uh, by the events of that. Um, each story has like a loose connection with the earthquake, which is kind of interesting. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Haruki Murakami is a very famous Japanese author. His, probably his most famous work is IQ84, which is like a book like this big. Um, but if you're not into diving into a gigantic book, I would recommend After the Quake. Um, and this is a, the whole jokey, which was written in about uh, 1212. And uh, it's, that had uh, disasters in the capital, the capital being Kyoto at the time, where uh, there was a fire in 1177. There was two years of famine. They moved the capital and then moved it back. Um, and then there was an earthquake in 1185 and a civil war. For those of you guys that are history buffs, that's the Genpei War. Uh, so his, this whole piece of text is talking about how everything is a disaster and it's very Buddhist and you have to kind of um, separate yourself because this life is impermanent and everything here is ephemeral. So. Uh, one of the other inspirations uh, is dreams, and this is how Amin hooked me into getting me into the panel. So the author, the producer uh, quotes this poem, which is a poem by Ono no Komachi. She was one of the six immortal poets, and she was known for writing poetry about being um, a love interest and just like the height of beauty when she was in her prime, and then she kind of withers away and her lovers stop responding and she gets old and jaded. Um, it's just a story I think many people can probably relate to. Uh, but this is um, this is an example. So there's her as a beauty on the left-hand side and a depiction of her um, be kind of becoming old and decrepit at the end. Um, and here's a translation of that poem. There is a translation that I've seen kind of circulated around in some articles that do reference this, and it's in rhymed couplets, and I'm not really sure why it is. Uh, this is a translation from a professor at the University of Alberta who did her master's work in, on Ono no Komachi. So, um, the, the grandmother also has uh, those dreams as well, right? Doesn't she refer to having the same experience when she was younger? Yeah, so I, I talked to Amit about how in dreams, sometimes in Western culture, it's like a cop-out. It's like, oh, and it was all a dream. And everybody's like, what, that, what was the whole point of the movie? Um, but Japan has a long history of dreams being an important place for spiritual encounters that impact the real world, like they have um, real repercussions. And so taking that idea and saying like, well, what if we can use this kind of space, this liminal space in dreams to connect to people and perhaps change the future? Um, was really interesting. Something I also think was really interesting is um, in the Heian period, it was considered if you were dreaming about a lover and you guys were meeting in your dreams, 
is because you had some like strong emotional connection. And as soon as you stopped dreaming about that lover, that meant the lover had stopped thinking about you. So if you kind of translate that to Kimi no Nawa, uh, Taki stops dreaming of Mitsuha when she dies, right? There's no, nothing on the other end. Um, so I thought that was kind of a neat interpretation of it. And then finally, we have this. This is a piece of concept art uh, that the author posted. Um, and on the kind of just underneath, uh, there's three lines of text. That last line of text says, um, like a boy and a girl, Torikae Baya Monogatari, which is a Heian tale. And this tale is about a, um, two ha like a half siblings that are switching gender roles. So if you're interested in kind of gender and that sort of thing, it's worth a read. It is translated. Um, personally, I found that it walks a fine line between an, uh, a Buddhist commentary on the illusory, ephemeral nature of the human body and a really kinky Heian erotica. So if, so if you can, if that kind of sounds like it's down your alley, um, it's worth a read. Uh, it's actually kind of neat. You've got all these different people with lovers, and then you've got that gender bending thing going on as well. So um, I can definitely see, like having researched this a little bit, seeing where all these influences are showing up in the movie. Uh, do we want to talk about youth, or is it, do we talk about later as well, the, the idea of youth? Yeah, we can talk about yeah. that now. Might that's another good. underpinning, is just the Mitsuha wanting to leave the village and go to the city. That's a common kind of feeling there, and like the disappearance of the old and the, the new. And just the coming-of-age story is one of the reasons I think the, the movie uh, touched a lot of older people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I Actually, this is probably a good point to ask. Like, Were any of you guys like emotionally impacted by the movie, or were Ooh. you... Yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe we could we could start by like like show of hands like who like felt this move like went to go see this movie and it like just like who who cried in the theater? Does anyone? Have, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know if I cried in the theater or cried the second time. <laughs> but um, do you want to maybe ask like and we can just ask. sure. Does anyone have any particular reactions or uh, feelings of nostalgia? Or want to comment how they felt at the movie? Stories that they want to share? No. Too personal, oh. probably. Oh yeah. There's like um, one scene towards the end where like they haven't um, like they cross paths, but they don't see each other. Yeah. Like when they had that long pause there, like I had this moment of fear. I was like, "Don't you end the movie there?" <laughs> like I honestly thought yeah. the movie was ending there, and I was like, "My life will be ruined." <laughs> <laughs> uh, something interesting about that is um, uh, Shinkai didn't originally think that they were going to end up meeting at mm -hmm. the end. Um, and I think it was through that process of reworking it and, and deciding whether or not that was going to be okay um, that he decided that, yeah, yes, they can meet at the end, and yes, that's okay, and it, it fits with the, the tone of the movie and what he was trying to get across. Well, and also just the fact that they all, it was so difficult just to say hello, but I felt maybe that's a bit of the cultural difference. I mean, to talk to someone you don't know at all is a little bit more difficult there, would you say? or? Like, it, it seems so difficult for them just to say the words hello initially at the end of the movie, even though they had the feeling of knowing each other. Uh, personally, I would yeah. feel like that's, that could be anything, right? Yeah. Like, here, maybe it's a little bit of a different atmosphere. If you like somebody's costume, it's quite culturally appropriate to say, hey, like, I like your costume, can I take a picture? But if you're on the street, then yeah. maybe not so much. I think that um, one of the events at the end is that they lose something important, which is the memory of so I think at the end of the result is that they don't really um, have the memories, but have the feeling of each other. That's why they kind of go back and oh, I have a feeling of each other. This the thing at the end. I think that's what's more happening. 
Mm-hmm. This, again, I don't know how like overtly Buddhist um, Shinkai is, but if you look at a lot of Japanese pre-modern culture, um, like a lot of what happens to people in this life is considered part of like karmic ties from a previous life. Uh, and then there are some kind of romanticizations of this uh, where people end up becoming lovers or they say it's a deep connection from a previous life, um, which is kind of cool. So even though there's not this conscious memory, it it's plays on that idea that there's something around that we don't can't quite grasp and we can't quite place our fingers on, but yeah. Okay, I guess you want to go on? Yeah, we can go on. Um, so Emin asked me, he was like, so let's talk about mascots. And I was like, what do you mean mascots? He's like, that little guy that was in the movie. Well, Taki's like intently trying to hunt down Mitsuha. His friends are off taking pictures and selfies with the, um, the uh, what's his name? Uh, Hida, Hidakuro. And so he is actually a mascot in Japan. Um, and so if you go to uh, Gifu Prefecture, you can see him in the train station. It's just a cardboard cutout. Um, you can get him for your keychain. Uh, has anybody looked this up? Does anybody know what he actually is advertising? He's advertising himself. <laughs> I'm so tasty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, if you go to Gifu, uh, take a picture with the mascot, and then try their delicious marbled beef. Um, culture, or like the mascots are a huge thing in Japan. I'm sure everybody's seen like videos of deflating Pikachus on YouTube and um, <laughs> that sort of thing. But they'll they'll literally advertise anything with a mascot. So this is um, Kumamon. He is the Kumamoto mascot. Uh, Kumamoto was the city that was just affected by a mudslide recently. This is Domo. He is the NHK mascot. Uh, I'm sure most people are familiar with him. So that's a TV like broadcasting company. Uh, this is Tawawa-chan, um, who is the Kyoto Tower mascot. So they'll also have mascots for lands or for like um, landmarks. I don't know why she is always surprised, but she is. Uh, <laughs> This is my favorite. This is Shiro Maruhime, uh, which like roughly translates to like white round princess, and she is the mascot for Himeji Castle, um, which has this beautiful like white uh, restored outside to it. Um, and uh, this is Sentokun, who is mildly creepy, um, and he is for uh, Nara City. He's one of their mascots as well. And it's not just like they have this mascot character; they have profiles for them usually. So like Shiro Maruhime's uh, birthday is on April 6th. In case anybody wanted to like work that into their daily calendar, her, she likes to sing. Her her skin is like white and like soft, moist was the word that I was I, I, that I got translated, but I was like that's not the right word. Um, like supple, I guess. Uh, her personality is is sweet like her skin. Um, or sorry, soft like her skin. Uh, and she, she she loves Japanese sweets, uh, especially dango. Dango are like little round, like they look like her. Um, so she really likes that. But she's on a diet, so she can't eat them. <laughs> so uh, Sentokun, on the other hand, the kind of creepy one with the antlers. Um, he his birthday. Oh, he has he has a year to his birthday. So he was born in two thousand and eight on the twelfth of February, and he is ma- like his motto is acquiring 
uh, oh, oh, acquiring wisdom for tomorrow from old knowledge, because Nara is a very uh, traditional city. Um, he has 12 trademark poses, is fluent in everything, and he talks like a little boy. So I don't know who makes these profiles, but uh, if anybody ever goes to Japan or gets to see some of these around, you may have seen them imported here and not realize that they're actually a mascot for something specific in Japan. Yeah? He said he talks like a, he, he talks like a boy, right? Uh, he, the, the guy with the antler, the creepy, the, like it's that. It's a trap. Definitely a <laughs> Probably. He wants to probably like preach to you the Buddhist wisdom of old, like past, days past, so who knows. And uh, just, just in case anybody hasn't seen this clip, this is how much Japan loves their mascots. Um, this is the world record for the most dancing mascots. <laughs> Kumamon is really having a good time, but I feel like the guy next to him doesn't quite has, have as much arm mobility. <laughs> so they look ridiculous, and it's kind of interesting to imagine them... Uh, like falling over and there being a domino effect, but um, yeah, they're quite popular. Oh, whoops. There we go. Oh yeah, so I was a bit curious about this, having seen the weaving uh, in the movie. So, what do you? What's the details about that? Uh, personally, I couldn't find um, a lot of information. I only did uh, English searching just because I didn't have a whole lot of time to prep for this. So if I had a little bit more time, I would have maybe searched up some stuff in Japanese to see if there was more information. Uh, so kumihimo is the name of the braiding that they do. And uh, you can see here that people have actually figured out how to make Mitsuha's ribbon. Um, I went onto YouTube and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do Mitsuha's ribbon for my Mitsuha costume. And then the video said you're gonna need like X number of meters of thread and I was like oh, okay that's okay that's okay this is it, it'll be fine um, and then it kept going and it's like here's how you make your homemade loom and I was like oh no 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 this is too much commitment <laughs> and the video kept playing and then it was like you're gonna need about 30 hours to make this bracelet and I was like stop the video we gotta stop here um, so I just kind of did like a like a simpler weave um, instead but you can see that quite a lot of time is uh, dedicated to this but also um, the movie is bringing back awareness to some of the traditional arts, which is really cool. Uh, and something that I noticed um, in my second watch through of the movie was Mitsuha's grandmother talks about how there was a big fire that destroyed the records. And so they don't know why they're, they don't have like the concrete set out reasoning for why they're doing what they're doing, but they know that there's something important in the physical action of creating these bracelets and continuing that tradition. Uh, Japan has a culture of um, a lot of very like long-standing traditions that have been passed down through generations. Uh, they have these uh, the status called a living national treasure, and so there's two kind of uh, reasons why you or check boxes that you have to fill to be a living national treasure. You have to be an expert, like you have to hold some authority over your traditional art, and the other one is you have to have somebody to teach it to. You have to have a mentee. There's uh, a biwa player who currently does not have the status of living national treasure because he refuses to take on any students that uh, because he doesn't want the competition because he's the only he, he wants to be the only one um, because jobs are so scarce um, but unfortunately that also means that the art will die with him which is really unfortunate um, so there's a, a strong sense of tra preserving traditional arts and uh, that's 
kind of where my research is in. I look at traditional theater. So I look at uh, stage performances that have been passed on through generations and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, um, for those of you who want to do uh, braiding, there are, the, these do exist, the, the ones that the wooden stand that Mitsuha was working with. Um, but you can also have it in a convenient foam or polyester uh, like wheel. And so you can do kumihimo wherever you want. I think this is from Amazon. So. Okay. You can probably I'm just kind of curious. So who saw it with subtitles? Yeah, and who saw uh, the dub? Anyone seen the dub? Yeah. What did you feel about the dub? Did you did you like it or? Yeah, I thought uh, my point of view was uh, uh, Taki was pretty good in the dub, but the main complaint seems to be Mitsuha. That's what I've heard. Is that yeah. Your... Oh, well, personally, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of Mitsuha in the dub. I actually had a hard time listening to her. Um, I don't know if it was a comparison with the Japanese original um, and the character that it was portraying or, or what it was, but I, I did have a hard hard time yeah. with it. Well, the thing about the sub is when they switch bodies, it's easier to show who they are because of the gendered you know, pronouns and, and reference, whereas in the English, that was difficult to show, I think. They, mm -hmm. they, yeah. um, for the uh, English dub, how did they translate the when he was having yeah, issues with the pronouns? Yeah. Um, when, when, sorry, Mitsuha was having issues with that. So when she goes like, oh, does she start with Atashi or Watashi? Watashi? Okay, yeah. so she starts with Watashi and then goes Watakushi and the guys are like, what? Yeah. And then like Boku and then Ore, right? And so I was just kind of um, like wondering what they what they went with for the English dub for those who saw it. Do you remember that scene when they're on the roof? I'm trying to remember. I think it, maybe he was just being very oh, formal. Yeah, yeah but, I think uh, we Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. It was just like, hey, hey, gentlemen. It's like, oh, dudes, I guess. Or something. Like, yeah. something it was like a comparison. Oh, okay. So they yeah. put it uh, on the, yeah. the classmates and said, yeah. Yeah. Well, she has, yeah, she has a dialect in uh, yeah. the original as well. Like you can see, the easiest place for me to see it is um, when they're standing and uh, Taki has written baka on her uh, cheek, which means idiot, mm -hmm. and she has written aho, which is like the Kansai dialect for baka. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that right off the bat. Do we have anything on the slides? Just trying to remember if we. Yeah, so I just, um, I was interested in this after Ammon started chatting about it because I didn't know what the dubbing process was, and it seems that. Um, when it goes through a dub, it goes through two sets of translations, which is really interesting. It gets translated for meaning, and then they have to try to get it to match up, right? Uh, which is interesting from a creative point of view because it's gone through like two acts of interpretation, um, and I can really admire translators for having to deal with that. Um, but I also noticed that like because it's, it seems separate from the original production, it's hard to know how much um, impact the original had on it were the English voice actors did they watch the movie and then decide whether they wanted to say the same line in the same way could they say the same line in the same way um, due to the limitations of the translation um, I had depending on when it was dubbed they probably wouldn't have had access to the novel like the original voice actors did which I think is kind of cool limited like thinking about um, 
the limitations of the dub actors versus the original Japanese dub actors. Um. Yeah. Oh, and then um, Radwimps have also in, in, uh, released a English version of all the, like they translated all of the original Japanese songs. Does anybody have any comments on that? Do they like them? Do they not? <laughs> okay, who here has heard the like English translations of the Radwimp songs? And for those of you who have your hands up, do you have a preference? Do you can do you have anything that you? For me, I found that um, based my preference still goes to what I heard originally, like with this because I watched it myself. Is it almost you feel like you're losing something because you kind of I, I don't know if it was the same for the people that watched the dub, but I I feel my connection to the movie to that song in that sort of way. Mm. So I don't, I, I think that it leads you up to more interpretation, mm. but. Do we have any more comments on the back that you guys were? Uh, I would say kind of likewise. I, I feel like the, because I watched the movie in the dub, um, the, or in the sub rather, I feel like the Japanese songs are more tied to the memories of the movie, and then the dub songs are I get more meaning because I can actually understand the lyrics now, and so they kind of draw their um, their meaning from different sources. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Great. So now we we've just kind of opened it up to we don't want I don't want to sit here and like lecture to people for an hour. So. Uh, just some conversation prompts. We have a couple uh, favorite scenes. We'll, we'll yeah. start with our favorite scenes, and then we'll throw it to you guys. Yeah, just the the two my two favorite scenes. One is when they actually meet finally, and you think they're not going to meet there, and they meet, and they, they have a conversation, and then like they they lose, like they disappear. I like that. That's one of my favorite scenes. And also just the uh, the montage when they're switching bodies. I really like that, especially when you when when Mitsuha is like, "Why is this girl confessing to me?" <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts. What about you? Um. I'm like such a sucker romantic that I really like um, when they were writing on each other's hands. Uh, I think there's a, something extremely kind of intimate about that action. Um, and then also when she like opens it up and it's not his name. Uh, there's also actually, I read a, or I was watching a theory um, that Mitsuha was not gonna write her name on Taki's hand um, because of the way the first stroke is shaped. It's the same as uh, uh, like Suki as well. So, because um, the me on Mitsuha would have go, gone in a different direction. It's hard, it's hard to tell because it is she gets cut off halfway through the stroke. Um, but the theory there there is a theory that um, she was also going to write "I love you" on uh, on Taki's hand. And the first scene there with the like, writing down is it's such the, the dream element, right? Like you have to write it down before you forget. Like when you wake up, you're like I have to write this down, and if you don't, it's out. Does anyone else have any favorite scenes you'd like to share? Everybody's okay. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching it a second time, I really like the classroom scene at the beginning where they go over the explanation of like the Twilight. Yeah, um, and I I. I, I really appreciated that the second watch through as well too. I didn't catch it the first time. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because they keep saying katawari doki, katawari doki the whole time. And I was trying to look it up and I was like, what the heck? Like, I can't figure it out. It was because it's, and the teacher actually explicitly says, oh, I don't know, maybe that's dialect. Um, so uh, it was good to actually rewatch that and get the explanation again. It makes a little bit more sense in hindsight. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes, just because 
it helped diffuse the movie. Like probably one of my favorite scenes is the same with the, the writing. But when he realizes that Mitsuha dies and stuff, the time after he figures out who she is when they switch bodies, and it's like, oh, I'm in her, her body again. And then it cuts to uh, her sister opening up the door and he's crying, holding her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, kind of going off of on the topic of tears, uh, what I another element that I really enjoyed in the movie was um, the amount of scenes where they're crying and they can't re they don't realize why they're crying. Like they can't put a conscious like like linear thought to, okay, I had a this dream and that's why I'm sad. Um, and I really like the emotionality of that because it, I think there is something that people relate to when sometimes you do cry and you're like, why am I crying? I shouldn't be upset or I shouldn't be the, like this happy or I shouldn't be this touched. And you just kind of, it ends up happening. So you're, um, I don't really like doing a, a body-mind division um, in for rhetoric, but uh, it is kind of interesting how sometimes the logic doesn't quite match up with the uh, internal emotion in the way that we may expect it to. Of course, we talk about um, how, what our favorite scene was in the movie, right? Yeah. My my favorite scene is basically the whole plot twist that happened midway through the movie, and then she tried to find me. So I know you all seen the movie, right? <laughs> That's okay. They, 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 if, if they haven't, they know they're spoilers. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna spoil much, but you know, he of course he realizes what's going on. You know, she she isn't actually there. You, you know, she's a yeah. But of course, another reason why I had to watch the movie, you know, I I realized that that was my favorite scene because. Because before I even watched the movie, I looked at one of the reviews, and I'm not even joking, I'm wrong with Mayo, that 98% and certified fresh, I looked at one of the reviews, and it said that the plot twist is so genius that J.J. Abrams and Christopher Nolan would kick themselves in the head for not thinking of it first. <laughs> that was one of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and I, I didn't even I know what that meant, but as soon as I saw the, pl pl the plot twist on the, the movie, I didn't know what to say. I, mean, I was looking around at the theater, and everyone had their jaws dropped. I mean, I didn't even believe myself. I could. Yep, yep. Um, kind of on that topic, too, I really like when it cuts off from the, the time when the meteor is falling, because it's like that dumb music. And then it happens again later, and the little scene after they've gone back in time again. Like, just the emotional effect of that just like didn't did work out. I thought that was really well done. Mm -hmm. I also like their use of uh, liminal spaces. So liminal being like not quite here, not quite there. So when like they're standing on the edge um, of the the crater um, and it's twilight. So again, it's not day, it's not night. Um, it's such a ripe space for like the supernatural to happen. Uh, that's typically in Japanese um, like earlier literature and stuff where the supernatural would happen. It would happen at bridge bridges, crossroads, gates. Um, things that are in between spaces, things that are always in flux. Um, and so I really appreciated, I, like I felt like that was the place where they could meet and uh, it, it was, everything kind of lined up well. Like when she goes to see him uh, before he actually knew who she was and he doesn't recognize her and then at the last second he does and they, isn't, is that not also at the start of the movie too? Like the exchange, I'm trying to remember, like when he exchanged the, the yeah. item, I think yeah. it's the start the as beginning. well. Yeah. More comments? No? Okay. Um, and this is something that came up in Ammon's, uh, one of the articles that Ammon was reading, uh, just talking about comparisons with Ghibli. Um, we were just kind of wondering what you guys thought on that claim, where you, how far you think that that holds true or doesn't. Um, 
Kevin can probably speak. Yeah, I think uh, the article I was reading was more, he's a successor in the sense that he's successful, like Miyazaki, but there wasn't that much, they're not that similar. Other than, well, he has like a female heroine. Uh, well, he has both of them, but I think she's probably still the main character from my point of view. But then there's differences. I don't know what you feel in the comparison between the two. Yeah, they're, I mean, it's also hard to tell, like, well, it, the specific prompt, I guess, would be with Miyazaki, and a lot of Miyazaki movies are fantastical, um, which you don't really get as much of in uh, Your Name. But I think art-wise, it's probably comparable. Um, so if you're just looking at it from, like, a visual successor point of view, I would perhaps agree with that. But. Does anyone else have any thoughts of comparing this movie to Miyazaki's works? I'd I go with the visual as well, because um, seeing this and the other things he's done, it really it, it makes, it makes it think of Miyazaki. Another comment that kind of was mentioned in that article was like the idea of playing with a coming-of-age story. Um, and whether or not you agree with that. I'm not a big fan of the term coming of age story because I feel like it's kind of applied to all things and everything, um, where any character has a little bit of personal growth. So I don't know what that says about our standards for storytelling. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what you guys, I kind of wanted to throw that question to you. Um, do you feel like it's a quote unquote coming of age story? And if so, how are you defining coming of age story? Uh, I wouldn't actually put it as a coming of age story, more of a like sort of like, coming of age story to me, like, doesn't signify personal growth, it signifies growth over time. Because mm -hmm. uh, when you're, like, you will have that personal growth in that sort of story, but, like, the coming of age story that in this one is, like, maybe two months, mm -hmm. like, a couple months, it, and it's sort of, you're learning about them and changing, but the, the coming of age is that small window of time doesn't seem applicable. It's, it's just a story. Mm. Like, people change in stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other comments on that? Uh, also, uh, both from the youth perspective and disaster, there's uneasiness, but it's ultimately positive in the end. Like, you have that happen, but look at the end. There's still some hope at the end. Mm -hmm. And I think that ties back to the original um, disaster inspiration. Uh, when you look at it for, through the lens of a, a disaster film, it is nice to end on a hopeful note, um, especially when you live in a country where there are regular disasters, but also here too, who hasn't lived through a disaster and hopes that, well, and knowing that you can't go back and reverse it in the same way that Taki and Mitsuha did, um, that at least things will get better from here. Yeah. Okay, so if you have any questions or feedback, this is the time mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. Uh, just because you're talking about the disasters, was there, like, I don't know if you guys uh, looked into this or not, but was there like a reaction to it as a disaster movie in the Japanese public? Because it's a lot, a lot of their, they have an ongoing thing with Godzilla yeah. and other things as taking, personifying the events when this is taking sort of an obstacle of personifying people affected by the events. Yeah, Godzilla is the one that I saw in both that article and a few other ones uh, as a main example of that. Um, that's the extent of my knowledge on it. But, but I meant like uh, the reaction to the movie itself. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it is. Did we, did we talk about that? In Japan, the movie is so incredibly popular. So.
it is a little bit hard to quantify exactly why people are motivated to see films because yeah. unless they're filling out surveys at the end and even then that can be a little bit iffy um it may be a reason why like it may help explain why um the it, it related to so many people um but it's hard to tell i would say it probably has played a role role in it um i know that there are things like like apps and stuff for Japanese smartphones that you can check in and, and they're like the purpose is for usage during a disaster. Um, things like group homes can be popular because they're not by themselves all the time. So it, especially in a place like Tokyo, um, which I think they captured really well, like Tokyo is a big place. And the fact that Mitsuha and Taki keep crossing each other's paths mm. and it's just so big and like, what are the chances? Um, I think kind of feeds into that anxiety of being alone in a sea of people as well. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't make a slide of it, but from what I've seen, it the, the movie is having a huge impact there in terms of product, not only products, but they have like themed events and all kinds of stuff. It's definitely well-known pop culture now. One back there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, please. Um, I was in Japan recently, and I think that like from our Western perspective, it's a bit harder to internalize like just how much of like cultural resonance it had. And I think a large part of that is due to the fact that this film was constructed as like a very clear piece of apocalypse fiction set after Fukushima and the themes that it engages with like finding the one person that you could have lost forever and stuff is something that like I think if you didn't like grow up in that culture and like experience the like the the, uh, the Fukushima disaster in the same way that we have like a much harder time like recognizing and so like on the rewatch I like after knowing this I thought it was like a much more interesting and building on that I think uh, you probably also saw this while you were there but like they're still they're still repairing there's like it like here we hear about the disaster there's like fundraisers for a bit and then people forget about it because it's not our space in a sense, but um, there they're still trying to rebuild. They're trying to convince people that, you know, the food is clean and that, you know, um, there isn't this nuclear waste, but then there's that unease in the people that, is it, is it not, how do we know, that kind of thing. So um, there, it, it still is quite impactful um, in, that, in, in, I think, contemporary Japanese society. Oh, oh, oh. You were first, and then you. <laughs> um, I was just going to say to piggyback on that one because I know, like, I've had this discussion. I, we've discussed it a little bit, and I had the same discussion with friends in the theater. Is like, um, like, what sort of things, like, I guess, as a group, like, to brainstorm. What made the film so successful worldwide? Like, I know, um, for instance, like the coming of age story is always popular in like almost all cultures. But like, what were some of the other aspects that made it, especially so popular in Western culture? Like, it was surprising to see the number of people in the theaters going to see this movie considering you go see other films and there's a smattering of people but there were sold out shows here in Edmonton which was really cool to see. Does anybody want to weigh in? Oh yeah. Uh, I guess kind of adds on to the last two comments that I was asked is uh, so I was actually in Japan for like working during the time the movie came out mm-hmm. and I remember uh, walking through Libya with an older lady, uh, and when we got to a certain spot, she's like, this is where I was when the earthquake happened. And like, this is miles of like two hours, about an hour and a half away from Fukushima where the, the was, where the main impacts. 
and it just had that much impact on her that like this this is what. Mm -hmm. And then the other point was just the experience in the theater because like I saw it there and back here and like the theater was packed sold out to get into the and it was totally silent throughout and everyone sits through the entire credits mm -hmm. until they file out at the end. Whereas mm -hmm. watching it here with like laughter going on through like groans. Uh, I don't know, it was a much more emotional experience here. Mm. And as soon as the credits come on, it's like the hubbub was yeah. jabbered. Yeah. I don't know. That is interesting. It was a real story. Sorry? It, to me, it was a real story. Yeah. You could identify with the characters. Mm -hmm. There was real emotion there. Yeah, totally. I like I felt the same way, like especially with uh, with Anushka's character, because like the small town, like wanting to get to the big city. Like I grew up in small town Saskatchewan, so like when she's saying like you just want to get out of like the tradition, out of the heritage, out of that society, and go to a city and just be someone in a sea. Like you don't have an identity. No one knows you. There's that like disconnect. Like that one, I personally resonated with me as like being someone from a small town. Well, just the, uh, we didn't really talk about it explicitly, but the, the flashback scene where he gets to see her life yeah. and like how the family developed and the father like became estranged, like that, that was such a beautiful scene and summarized really well her life. But I'd say that may also be another impacting factor into why it was so popular because a lot of people are at that point too, like it, it's happening everywhere, right? Where, where people don't want to stay in the small cities, but there are traditions and there are kind of microcosms of culture and what happens if people move away from that? Like, so um, it is something that people like. I'm from a big city. I don't. I never realized that that was a thing. Um, but it is something that people will struggle with. Yeah, because yeah, there, there's a scene uh, where the, the girls from the school are kind of mocking her and her sisters for doing uh, dance, yeah. that kind of traditional cool stuff. And, and then, like, you have uh, like her, the arguments with her father and stuff, and it's it's kind of the same sentiment where the small cities are trying to be the big cities, keep people there, but there's so much tradition and stuff that gets thrown by the wayside. Do we have any final comments, questions, inquiries? I just wanted to say, before we wrap up, uh, I want to say thanks uh, for bearing with us. Um, Emin really got me to step outside my comfort zone with this one. I'm really used to dealing with like the really, really old school stuff. Um, but anytime I can kind of make a little bit of it uh, applicable to contemporary, I'm quite happy to do so. Um, you're quite welcome to come give us questions, feedback, um, if you don't want to say them in front of everybody. Um, yeah, so thanks. Yeah, we'll be here for the next 10 minutes. So thanks for coming. Cheers. <laughs>
you taking Japanese? Uh, I took Japanese. I took it. Okay, well, there's something that um, I saw. And when the Taki rolls on his that was fun. Yeah. The only part I would have wanted yeah. to hear more about is probably the name. Just because oh, I yeah, don't know right. Japanese. You should ask him about it. You're here. You can ask questions. I was thought about it. Yeah. And okay. I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a good time, guys? Yeah. yeah. I had way too high of hopes hoping that Lake Boy South was in I was still wondering, would you guys be able to sign? Uh, sure, probably if you want uh, Jane to sign it, she can sign in Japanese. So. Both of you just sign it. Do you want to, yeah. Is that the translation? Yeah, so like all the other. Ooh! Yeah. Apparently, I was working alongside you guys. Because he's mentioned before. Oh, really? So I must be yes. everywhere then. Yeah, because I was going to be like, I'm and gonna, also like the gender is a little bit ambiguous. It's hard to tell which person yeah. is at the start of the novel, yeah, at least in yeah. Japanese. That's what you told me, right? Yeah. Yeah. So must, yeah. yeah. You get a photo with with her as well if you want. Yeah. 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 Do I need to give a pen by chance or? Does anyone have a pen? He wants you to sign his book. What? He wants his book signed. Like he signed the B book. By me? Yeah. Did <laughs> <laughs> she sign it as Mitsuha or as Jane? You are a celebrity uh, now. If you get her to sign it as Mitsuha, she's just going to write, I love you in there. <laughs> 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 oh, actually, here, I might need a different pen for that. that I have one that's a little bit Make sure to test the pen out oh. first on the paper. Uh, yeah, she just writes a line. That's all you get. <laughs> Not a finished line. It extends. Just write in. Do you know Japanese? Cool? Oh. I can't read it. Oh. Should I use that for visitors? You can write whatever you want. Okay. You can't read Japanese yet. <laughs> Wait, you want me to sign it? Just, just sign it. Write a message. Write a short poem. This is a lot of pressure. Write a short poem. Oh, jeez. And then sign it. Write something Japanese, then sign it. Uh, okay, hold on. I don't want to mess up with Hachi, so I'm going to I don't know what you, you'll be able to read this in, but here, have something in Japanese. <laughs> the usual thing for if someone asks you to write in yeah. another language. You're putting a lot of pressure on me. I'm actually going to Japan so I like oh. can get my language skills up. Right now, they're really, really not where they need to be. Uh -huh. The only thing I'm noticing in any other language is I do not speak French. Je ne parle pas en français. What's your name? G-R-A-Y-S-O-N. Something interesting that I was too nervous to say there was in the movie that in the, there was a slight increase in how obvious the foreshadowing was. The first time I yes. the plot twist completely, completely caught me off guard, but on the rewatch, I know that at the beginning there was a few things that were kind of sprinkled in there, and it built up to becoming more and more obvious yeah. what was going to happen, which I completely missed the first time. Yeah. One thing that I caught the second time going through is at the end scene, at the end scene when they're meeting on top of like the crater on the edge of it, when it's Taki's perspective, you can see the lake in the background with the crater part from the meteor, and yeah. when it's her perspective, it's only the lake, like the meteor isn't there. Yeah. The lake yeah. Uh, you guys need to set up. When's your panel? Is it right away? Let's see. Uh, half hour. 
Okay. In half an hour? Yeah, we'll, we'll be on two minutes. Okay. We'll, we'll click on two minutes. Yeah. Cool. I just how, how are you finding the novel? Um, I'm actually really enjoying it. Yeah. It's one that I'm gonna get my mom to read. Yeah. Like she knows basically nothing about like anime or manga or anything. I might get her to actually read it. Um, I believe that's. Oh, okay. Yeah, like this is this is the Japanese version. They're both just a little smaller. Yeah, this is the Oh 
世界を二人で一生」